Hey, this is Pastor Matthew. This week on our podcast, I had the opportunity to speak and do some more prophetic activations. This week's message is called Developing a Prophetic Lifestyle. So open your heart, get ready to be activated, and learn how to live a life by the Holy Spirit. Guys, we have gold all around us. There is gold all around us. And and honestly, as leaders, the small group settings, the classes, that's, that's where the gold is being mined, so to speak. That's where we get to see the gold that's inside each and every one of you in this body. So as Paul said, Paula said, um, get involved in the groups, get involved in the classes, the, the school of ministry, Tuesday night classes. Um, that's where we grow and develop and really can see what's inside of each and every one of you and then empower you, give you opportunities to function and to grow more. Amen. There is a sign up sheet in the back for October 1st worship in the city. Uh, from 3.30 to 5.30, there's different healing stations, prophetic stations, great opportunities to serve and function. Uh, there's a list of all that in the back, and then the worship is actually 5.30 till 7. Um, but we are partnering with Convergence and do want to um, serve with them. And, and we have opportunities for treasure hunts, for praying for the sick, for... Uh, prophesying over people that are just walking through the city. So it's going to be fun team ministry where some of you may more be more geared as a connector where you can go out and, and kind of do a treasure hunt, kind of get an idea of who God's treasure is for that day and go find somebody and bring them to the healing tent or bring them to the prophetic tent. And then we'll have prophetic teams and healing teams there. So there's sign-up sheets for all that in the back. Maybe you're not comfortable with that ministry aspects. We've got setup. We've got teardown. There is uh, something for everybody. But I just challenge you guys as we're diving into this message today, um, you're all prophetic. You're all prophetic. And this is a great space and a great place just to, uh, in this, this event, October 1st, to be able to practice, to be able to get into a team and practice. Amen? All right. So I didn't know I was going to be asked to do a part two, um, but I was honored to be asked to do a part two of activating the prophetic in you, which I'm calling developing a prophetic lifestyle. Um, last time I spoke, I did the activating the prophetic and it was a crash course. Um, so now I'm going to try to put the pieces together and, and lay a little bit of foundation and we're going to have some fun again and do activations at the end. How many of you enjoyed the activations last time? How many of you were a little bit nervous? Well, we'll have more opportunities, so hopefully you won't be so nervous. Um, So, diving in, Father, I just thank you for just the ability to hear your voice, Lord. I, I thank you, Father, for you desire to be in relationship with us, that you desire to speak to us, that you have called each of us your sons and daughters, and you've given us the ability to hear your voice and walk in fellowship with you. Father, I just declare that as we're growing in this, Lord, that you are restoring, you are bringing restoration to our hearts. You are bringing healing to our hearts. You are healing even any father wounds, father uh, father wounds that took place as, as we were children or 
uh, just authority figures in our lives that may have wounded us. I just declare healing and restoration during this time, Father. I ask that you speak to, to this body, Lord, and just bring healing through this message. Bring healing and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, starting the first Tuesday in October, we are doing Father Heart, um, uh, Sonship and Identity in our Tuesday night classes. So mark that on your calendars as well along those lines. So why is developing a prophetic lifestyle so important? What is the urgency in developing this in us? And that's really the question I want to dive in to answer as Paula said, we live in an upside-down kingdom, and in line with that, we're also supposed to live from the inside out. You know, we live in a society, like I said in the weekly email, we live in a society and a culture that places such high value and emphasis on the external. You know, how much time do you spend getting ready in the morning with your external? How much uh, ladies go into the salon and get an eyebrows, eyelashes, fingernails, toenails, all these things. How much time and energy and money is, ex is, is spent on this thing alone? You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But how much time in comparison is spent on our internal growth? It is spent on our internal development. You know, oftentimes getting ready externally takes most of the time and maybe we'll jump in the car and put on a worship song or two on the way to work or try to listen to a message or put on some audio Bible and listen to some scripture and that's okay, but there's more. If we're serious about our growth and our development in our relationship with the Lord, we need to devote more than just a few minutes in the car ride while we're thinking about five other things and reading emails and text messages as well. In the car, in the car while driving. <laughs> so why is developing this prophetic lifestyle so important? As Paula said, um, we need to renew our minds and we need to understand our identity. In Genesis 3, we see that Adam... God spoke to Adam, and I don't, that's a whole other teaching that I had to cut out of this one, but what I want to emphasize is we were created to hear from God. Yes. The, the, the fact that we have trouble or uh, all of that disconnection is because of the curse and because of the fall. So part of redemption and part of the restoration of all things is the restoring of our ability to hear from God and walk with God. And, and that's why developing this prophetic lifestyle is so important. It's, I guess that's a fancy way of saying it's just restoring what was taken from us. And I don't know about you, but I don't like when things are taken from me. You know, I think about Judah, my, my two, three-year-old son. You know, go try to take a toy from him. I'm, I'm, I don't like when things are taken from me. My friend Bart, uh, his daughter was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and he was mad that something was taken from his daughter. You understand? I, I don't want anything taken from me. And understanding that the enemy, the devil, is the one that has taken our ability to hear but God has given us a way through his son to restore that, okay? 
So that's why this is so important. It's not about giving a prophetic word. It's not about sounding good on stage, getting somebody's social security number, address, or phone number. It's not about that. It's about restoring what the enemy has taken and walking in the fullness of our relationship with the Father. Amen? So if he is who he said he is, then I am who he said I am. If he is who he said he is, then I am who he said I am. You see, when I first got saved, my life was a mess. I was diagnosed bipolar on heavy, heavy medication. Um, they said if I had to take any more of the lithium that I was on, I needed to be in a, kind of a live-in facility amongst other medications that I was on. Um, my finances were a mess. Anytime I t stopped taking my medication, I had run-ins with the law and had some trouble. Um, I didn't know my identity. At the end of the day, that's what it all came down to. I didn't know my identity. There was chemical imbalance. There was stuff going on. But at the end of the day, I didn't know who I was. And I was trying to get my identity from the things that I was doing. But when I got born again, when I got saved... I began to get a hold of the word of God and began to believe he is who I said I am. I am not who I used to be. Even though all my old friends and all uh, my parents even, they had trouble seeing the new me because nothing changed on the outside. You know, it's kind of like my daughter Zoe. She says, I got baptized, but I'm still me. Because we teach, you get baptized, you become a new person. I got baptized, but my name is still Zoe. I'm still me. And and that's, I think, how it was with my parents that they had, I had put them through 10 or however many years of trouble, of late nights, middle of the nights, phone calls, pickups from the police, all these things. And they had, tr they had trouble believing that something changed inside of me like that, that I was a new person. Now, I had to walk that out. There was still temptations. There was still opportunities. I, there was still phone calls of, of old friends saying, hey, let's go do this. Until I changed my phone number. But, yeah, you, you, sometimes you got to make some changes. But there, there's, there's temptation there. There's still temptation there. So we need to renew our mind. If he is who he said he is, then I am who he said I am. You have to believe the impossible and see yourself the way he sees you. You're not your job, you're not your income, you're not your car or your house. You are a born-again, spirit-filled son of God who has the Holy One living inside of you to transform the world around you. And that's how we need to see ourselves. It, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where we live, what we drive, and what our job is. None of that matters. That, that cannot be our identity. Our identity must be I'm a son of God that's been empowered with the Holy Spirit to transform the world around me. And if I'm faithful, starting with right where I'm at, I'll be increased. There'll be levels or spheres of influence that are opened that I'll be entrusted with more opportunity to speak and minister and transform other spheres. Amen? So over my, say, 10, 12 years, however long it's been, 14, walking with the Lord, I have seen many Christians, good-meaning people, make really bad decisions that have gotten them in trouble with relationships, finances, job changes, and geographical moves. 
Some of them I've watched and was never invited into their decision-making process, and I knew the outcome before they took the first step. Simply because they made decisions based on what things look like, what was promised, how they felt, or the amount of money that was offered. And many of them, the end result led them into trouble or hardship. And what I was reminded as I was preparing this message was, our lease was up, Shani and my lease was up in, in the uh, house we were staying in, we were living in, in 2019. And it was like February 2019, and the time for our lease came up. And Shani was working in Frisco at the time. I, February of 2019, I had not started on staff here yet. I was still at Kenneth Copeland Ministries in, in uh, Newark. And so we were kind of split going in two different directions. Well, Shawnee was going with two kids. So an hour drive from Ulysses to Frisco with two kids, she'd have to leave at 7 o'clock in the morning, coming home after an eight-hour day with two kids in the seat in the car crying, all that. She wanted to move closer to Frisco. And naturally, that would make sense. You know, I'm not driving with kids. That would let the kids sleep a few minutes later, less car time, less screaming and crying, all that. And, you know, we'd start looking, but I would check my heart. And I had no witness. I had no, I just, it was empty inside is the best way I can try to explain it. And we would go to, and it would just be, I felt lonely in, in there as we would step in that direction. And I would, you know, have to tell Shawnee, as selfish as it may have sounded, maybe I just have no peace about moving towards Frisco. She didn't exactly like that answer, and she kept pressing it and pressing it, and I said, baby, I'm sorry. I just, I can't do it. I, I don't have any witness about it. The external pressure of people can get you in trouble. The external pressure of people can get you in trouble. We must not be led by emotion, by feeling, by pre any of that. We must learn to quiet ourselves down, especially in the midst of a storm. Listen, the more pressure I have coming against me when I need to make a decision, the more space I give myself from that pressure and the more time I take. Two of the main ways people miss it is by moving too quick and talking too fast. Seriously. <laughs> Moving too quick. Make a decision quick. Listen, I've got a few days. It drives my parents up the wall because they'll ask me a question. I'll get back to you when I know the answer. Maybe a week or two or three go by. I'm, I'm not led by any of that. You, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. So all that to say this pressure, this pressure, baby, I'm sorry, we can't do it. We're going to renew our lease here. And uh, that was February 2019. What happened in March of 2019? COVID happened. She got furloughed. She got transferred to Flower Mound after six, eight months. So imagine we packed up and moved our family closer to Frisco to be close to this job that she would have had for a couple weeks before everything shut down, and now we're out of the place. I mean, it, it, in a sense, it wouldn't have been too costly of a mistake. It wouldn't cost of our life or anything like that. But, but I was able to get on the other side of that and say, hey, babe, look. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if we just gave into that. So there's opportunities that we have in every aspect of our life to learn to develop this, what I'm calling prophetic lifestyle, but it's really just being sons and daughters of God, being led by the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life. 
our testimony of getting us to, to DFW, getting, getting me right here, right now. I didn't share this with anybody. I don't think I've ever shared it publicly, but I didn't share it until after I got this staff position. But when I left Mexico, crossing over the border, Shani and I were missionaries in Mexico for two and a half years. I had tears in my eyes crossing the border like, Lord, what are we doing? Feeling like we're walking away from God's promise. I mean, we were, we were literally in the midst of revival. We'd be in meetings and we'd be seeing easily 80% of the people instantaneously healed. I mean, Shani and I were praying. We were seeing legs gr- literally grow out. We were in, in a meeting. John Arnott was there down in South Mexico. Had this woman in a chair. One leg was about two or three inches shorter than the other. And, and just prayed and watched the leg literally grow. Seen tumors disappear. Eyes open. Mute speak. All these things going on. 80% of the people we're praying for and our teams are praying for being instantaneously healed. And here we are in the midst of this revival fire, walking, feeling like we're walking away and getting further from the promise of God, further from our calling, further from our destiny. And the Lord told us to move to Dallas-Fort Worth to be a part of Catch the Fire DFW. And had no job promises, no jobs, no ministry promises, no positions here, this, nothing. Uh, but I had in Florida... My father was pulling on me. If you move here, I'll give you this condo on the ocean. You move here, I'll help you guys buy some land and start a church. Had another church, kind of, hey, we're praying and interceding for you. Good church, spirit-filled church. Um, you know, praying and interceding for you. We'd love for you to be here, all that. And I had nothing, DFW, absolutely nothing except a word from God. And... and uh as I crossed the border, the Lord said, I have a staff position for you. Well, some of you know, uh, 20, we moved here March of 2018, kind of March of 2019, some kind of the wheels fell off and the, the church went through uh, some trouble and some transformation and some challenges. And, and the promise looked further in that moment, looked further than it ever had before. What? What was a small church um, without a building became a smaller church without a building. So it's not a big church that has hundreds of staff positions, is what I'm saying. So the natural looked further and further that it was ever going to happen. But if you'll stay faithful, if you'll stay committed, and you'll keep walking in that word and not try to make it happen yourself, Not just stay faithful, keep your eyes on the Lord, not putting pressure on anybody, not rubbing shoulders, trying to make something happen. That's one way, people, we mess it up, trying to make things happen ourselves. A lot of times that's kind of the orphan in us coming out. You know, and I said, I said, Lord, if this is you, let's see it. If not, I'm going back to Florida. Some of you may notice I didn't change my tags until, my Florida tags until... I don't know, six months ago. (laughs) I haven't lived in Florida since 2015. It's like, Lord, you sure this is you? Is this really what we're doing? Shani and I, and I thank God for her. Our whole marriage, we've committed to only do what the Lord says. That we are laid down, that we will go. That was our prayer for years. Lord, we will go wherever you send us. We'll do whatever you ask us to do. Here we are. And the Lord has been faithful to send us all over the world in lots of hardships and troubles. But we've seen his glory poured out. 
So don't be led by emotions. Don't be led by feelings or what you see or what you were told. The word of God must be final authority. The word of God must be final authority. Um, Let's look at some scripture. Why was Jesus so successful in his life and ministry? Was it because he was the son of God and could not mess it up? No. Let's look at Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. Luke 22, verses 39 through 44. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So what I say here is Jesus had a choice. He had free will just like you and I have free will. And in in the greatest hour, he said, if there's any other way, let this, this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And in order to live this life of the Spirit, we must follow his example. We must be fully surrendered that I don't have a will outside of the will of God. In other words, I'm a dead man walking. I don't have a plan. I don't have a will. Lord, what will you have me to do? Now, right, we have responsibilities, right? We have jobs. We have, I count those things as kind of plots on my calendar, on my schedule. And within that, Faithful and responsible to do those things. But within that, Lord, what is your will? What, what is your plan? What will you have us to do? Okay? Let's look in John 5, 9, John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Then Jesus answered them and, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. We must grow in such intimacy with the Father that our lives reflect that he really is our Lord and not just our Savior. You see, it's coming to a place of maturity that our relationship with God shows that he really is our Lord, that we are surrendered, that we don't do what we want to do. But he lets us do what we want. But we don't, that, that's not our first go-to. That's, we're, we're led by his spirit. We follow his leading. We allow him to order our steps. That was a prayer. Shani and I prayed often. Still do most weeks. But um, my steps are ordered of the Lord. I will always be at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Our steps are ordered of him. We don't have to fall into traps of the enemy. We don't have to uh, get in, per se, car accident. I mean, there's, there's things that can be avoided. There's traps that the enemy tries to set up that if we'll just be led by the Holy Spirit, 
we can avoid those things. John chapter 12, verses 49 and 50. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know what his command is. I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. You know, can, can we get to a place where we can actually watch our words and uh, not have kind of meaningless words coming out of our mouth. Do you do what you say you're going to do? It's a funny example. Zoe knows I'm a man of my word. That's just so much so, Augie David, she still reminds me. When Augie David was here a year and a half ago, I was sitting on the front row and I said, baby, you just go to children's church and after worship, I'll come get you. She wanted to come see Augie David. Well, I was sitting on the front row and I just kind of didn't want to get up. I didn't forget. I just didn't want to get up and go get her and kind of feel like I'm walking away from the guest speaker. Well, Pastor John and I were talking in the children's church hallway and Zoe came around the corner and said, Daddy, you always keep your word. You didn't keep your word and come get me today when Augie was speaking. She still reminds me of this. So I, I dropped down on my knees and asked, looked her in the eyes. I said, baby, I am sorry. You are right. Will you please forgive me? Looked at Pastor and said, excuse me one minute. <laughs> so, so yesterday we were at a birthday party and she said she wanted to squirt me with a squirt gun. I said, baby, you know daddy keeps his word, right? Yes. I said, baby girl, if you squirt me, I'm going to dunk you. <laughs> so she lasted about an hour and a half without squirting me. She'd pretend and then she'd stop. Well, she got a little excited and decided to squirt me. I looked, I said, baby girl, I told you I have to keep my word. I said, you squirted me. <laughs> but how many people around you know that you keep your word? Hey, I'll call you back in five minutes. Do you call them back? See, if, if we really want our words to carry weight and authority, we need, to, we need to steward, we need to watch over. Jesus watches over his word to perform it in our lives. And it goes forth and does what he said it would do. If we really want our words to carry that much power, we've got to steward our words the same way. It'll help us. It'll help us um, to, to accurately speak. You know, we may not tell a big white lie, a big lie, so to speak, but you just want to get off the phone with somebody. Hey, I'll call you right back. I got to go. You have no intention of calling them back. You're just trying to hang up. That's just one example. But think about that. If we will really just watch over our words, we'll see our, the power of our words increase. Amen? Two keys to success in life is first picking up your cross and dying daily to a place that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, and learning to develop your ear to hear his voice in every situation and committing to do whatever he says. You see, this is the part of the prophetic that a lot of people don't, you know, want to hear. They, they want the fun stuff, the floaty stuff, the glory. The, but this is, this is how you develop to really live a life of power. Amen? So why am I saying all of this? We are to live inside out. The real us is the inside of us. That's the part of us that has to be, that has been made like him. That's the part of us that has had life, his life breathed into it. 
Our soul is being saved. It didn't get saved at salvation. We are a three-part being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Uh, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Those are not yet fully redeemed. And the level of redemption in this area of your life is fully dependent on your partnership with the Holy Spirit and the work you do in this area. Right? Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's our part that we need to do when we... Uh, it's the other one in Ephesians 4. Um, no, that's not Ephesians 4, but... Uh, yeah, Romans 12, 2. New King James says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, but taking every thought captive, when, um, when, you know, thoughts come up, temptations come up, wrong thoughts, offenses, bitterness towards other people, grabbing those thoughts, saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to think good about that person. I'm going to speak blessing over that person. I'm going to speak destiny over that person. That's what prophecy is, right? Call those things that be not as though they were. It doesn't take any spiritual person just to say what you see. You can, you can sometimes look at people and realize what's going on. But it takes a mature person to call that person out of the mud and out of the dirt and out of the trials and tribulations of life and speak forth purpose and destiny. Amen. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why is walking in the Spirit, living this prophetic lifestyle, so important? Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's powerful. <laughs> you're not under the law. You've been redeemed from the law, right? Now, if, if, if you're not able to, to live a life of the Spirit, I would encourage you to live by the law. It's safer. But if you can grow and develop and be led by the Holy Spirit, right? If, if you want to say the law is kind of the train tracks. Um, but if you learn how to live and, and, and follow the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a much richer, freer life. It's not a life of sin. <laughs> Freedom, is, sin is bondage. Sin is bondage. The law, the law is more free than the bondage of sin. But life in the spirit is kind of the highest level, so to speak, the freer than them all. Okay. Did I just make a mess of that? Did I tie that up? <laughs> All right, so we must, so this is the next part. We must develop a life in both word and spirit. Someone said, all word, no spirit, you dry up. All spirit, no word, you blow up. But a balance of word and spirit, you grow up. And we must become a people that are developed in both word and spirit, right? So this is not just get super spiritual, let your eyes roll in the back of your head and you're floating everywhere, giving everybody prophetic words. No, there needs to be a fine balance. You know, there, there's, there's a ditch on both sides of every road, right? There's, there's a ditch on the super spiritual side. There's a ditch on the super wordy side. There's, there's ditches on, every, on the side of every road. But if we'll learn how to stay in the middle lane, of both word and spirit and stay balanced, 
we'll be able to walk um, victoriously, live free, and be a blessing to other people. Yeah? Um, the more ignorant you are of the Bible, the easier you are to deceive. You must, de you must develop a life in and of the written word of God. The word of God is the will of God. God does not have a will for your life outside of his word. So I want to properly balance this. I love living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. I'm led by the spirit. But my ability to walk in the spirit and hear from God through the rhema word does not replace my need to study and develop in the logos. It is the logos that keeps me balanced and fine-tunes my ability to hear correctly. The logos is the written word. The rhema is the spoken word. The prophetic without biblical knowledge and understanding is a dangerous trap. You can't accurately prophesy the will of God without knowing the word of God. Y'all are quiet. Y'all are quiet. We need to spend time and make time, like I started the message with, getting ready inwardly. Spending time in the Word. Spending time in... Listen, I've got three kids and another one on the way. I get it. Life is busy. Life is busy. Stuff needs to get done. Laundry, dishes, lunches, kids off to school. I get it. But we have to make the time. You know how this message came about? A few nights ago, I don't know what it was, Monday night, I guess. Uh, I guess my neighbor, something happened, the dog was outside. And this dog was barking. I mean, 2.30 in the morning, Shawnee and I are waking, wide awake looking out the window, seeing what's going on. This dog is barking nonstop. Could not go back to sleep thereafter. Finally, about four, I get up. I said, you know what? This lady woke me up with her dog. I'm going to go ring her doorbell. It's four o'clock in the morning. I go walking outside and her car's gone. I said, well, maybe something happened. So now it's four. I'm like, well, it's beautiful out. You know, you're laying at 2.30 in the morning. You're tossing and turning. It's torture. Just get out of bed. Do something. So I was going to go for a run. <laughs> go knock on the neighbor's door. Um, well, I was just going to let her know her dog's keeping me awake, you know. I figured if I'm awake, come on. So uh, so I was going to go for a run, and then I realized, yeah, if one of the kids wake up, Shawnee's going to have to deal with that. That won't be good. She's got to get ready for work and all that. I said, well, I'm preaching this weekend. I said, Lord, what do you got? And this message was downloaded just like that. I mean, half an hour, just the framework of the whole thing came. So if we, there, there's time available. It was 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> There's time available if we'll just find that time and make that time. Uh-huh. Nobody wants to say amen to that. <laughs> All right, last part, then we're going to get into some activation. All of this requires exercise. You know, most of my messages talk about exercise. Um, all of this requires exercise. How many of you like exercise? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, they're popping up. Six, seven. Good. Seven out of 50 or 60. Not bad. It also requires discipline. How many of you like discipline? 
One, two, three, four, five, six, about the same, maybe a little less. But like all things in life, the more you do something and practice at it, the more it develops. So let's think about an Olympic athlete or really an athlete on any level. Do you think they become the best in the world all because of grace alone? Can they sit on their couch and eat, stay up late, eat pizza, chips, drink soda, fried chicken seven days a week, and because they're under grace, go out and be the best in the world at any sport? But even, uh, I said maybe a sumo wrestler, but even that requires training and discipline. Top athletes are on a very disciplined workout schedule, sleep schedule, rest days, and food intake schedules. They don't just wake up and go to the gym and see what they feel like doing today and hope for optimal results. Being a top athlete is a full-time job, and being a Christian is a full-time job too. So what snacks are you eating? Netflix, news, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? How is your training going? Are you waking up early to spend time in the Word, taking time to listen and hear what Holy Spirit is saying? He can plan your day better than you can. He can map your ride to work better than ways. And he can order your errands in a way where everything is easy and smooth. He wants access to every area of your life. Guys, this is what, it, this is what I'm talking about in developing a prophetic lifestyle. It, it's really normal Christianity. Um, it's just not cultural Christianity. It's not modern day Christianity. It's living and walking as if he really is our Lord. And it's fun. It's an adventure. It's not legalistic. It's not hard. The last thing we need is more legalism and religion. That's the last thing we need. The last thing we need. That has done more harm than good. Okay? I'm talking about living a life free in the spirit where you wake up and you say, Lord, what are we doing today? I know I got to go to work. I know I got some things to do. I got to go to the grocery store. But what is the adventure that's in store for us today? When's the last time you prophesied over somebody outside of the building? When's the last time you prayed for the sick outside of a building or a prayer meeting? This, this lifestyle, this walking in this is what's going to awaken the church and really going to bring healing and restoration to those that have been hurt and wounded by the church. I was riding my bike a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, I met this guy that was just sharing his story and just how legalism really affected him in his life and his walk with God. Thankfully, it Later in life, he'd it'd gotten restored. His relationship with Jesus had gotten restored and got away from the legalism and all that. But we need to be, we need to reflect who he is. But first, we have to develop and cultivate that relationship and walk in it for ourselves. Amen? All right, let's stand up. I guess this was a little heavy for you guys. Listen, the word is final authority. We must become uh, students of the word. Continue to be students of the word. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right.
So we talked about exercise. I want to take a few minutes and exercise. Um, exercise the prophetic gifts inside of you and in, in, inside of me. So the rules that we flow with are you don't prophesy. Let me say this before I say that. <laughs> Let me say this before I say that. Uh, right? When we're talking about prophecy, because I was talking to Miss Donna Miller. Miss Donna, come. Come here for a minute. This woman is so special to my family. And I just am so thankful for the relationship that we have. She's been at two of our births, at Judah and Asher, and God willing, she'll be at our fourth. God's plan. I asked her when Asher was being born, I said, well, when do I call you? She said, well, when you want me there. This is when we're going to sleep, 10 o'clock at night, Shawnee's in labor. I said, well, what happens if it's like 3 or 4 in the morning? She goes, well, call me when you want me there. And, I, you know, it won't be the first time I've been woken up at that time. You know, so Judah was born at, well, Shawnee went to labor at 7 or 8 in the morning, so I had no problem calling her then, but 4 in the morning. So I called Miss Donna at 4.30 in the morning to come down to the hospital when Asher was born. I'm so thankful you were there. So after my last message, I talked to Miss Donna, and she just said, you know, it, it, it really helped me understand that prophecy is not just saying, thus says the Lord, right? We're not, there comes a time, and as, I, as she said that, I said, you know, you're right. It's, it's kind of like this, and as I started this, I went into an open vision for, for her, and saw a picture, and, and, I just, and I said, well, I just, I see a crown, I see a crown of royalty, a queen's crown. I said, it's kind of just like that. So that's how it starts. It can start in a picture. And then from there, I said, you know, and what I hear the Lord saying is, and I went ahead and released the word on top of what the picture was that I saw, and she told me that was the second time she got that exact word. Is that right? So it starts with a picture or a sense or a feeling, and as you grow and you develop it becomes uh, fine-tuned and you can, you can speak forth more accurately. So, but if you don't start where you're at, you stay where you're at. So if you won't just speak, I didn't have the second part. I didn't have the queen and the royalty part. I just had the picture. But as I spoke forth the picture, the rest came. So as we're doing this today, just share what you got. Just start with what you have. And then more may come or over time, as you get more comfortable, more may come. Amen? So stay here. I got something for you. <laughs> um, so another thing, so we don't, so all that to say, you can just say, I have a sense or I see a picture. We're just, we're starting. We're just going to get this. If you're more comfortable, then you can go ahead and share what you hear the Lord saying, but don't counsel. Everybody say, don't counsel. Don't counsel. Just give what you got. A lot of times we muddy the water by trying to counsel or trying to explain or trying to, right, just, I don't know what this means. You take it home and pray and develop your, you know, see what Holy Spirit says about it. Amen? So the big, kind of the big thing is, no, we don't prophesy babies. We don't prophesy marriages, job changes, geographical changes. These things will mess people's life up. 
If they try to take them and run with them, well, somebody told me the Lord said to move to this church and this building, this state, whatever, this country, and they go and get out there. Well, they got nothing to stand on, if it, especially if it wasn't God and you were just practicing hearing from God for the first time. So we don't ever do that. Don't No babies, no marriages, no job changes, no geographical changes. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com give.